0: Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate & Ignite with your host, Lori Jones.
1: Welcome to the Integrate & Ignite podcast. John Kazarian is an entrepreneur, event marketing expert, and the founder and CEO of Accelivance, a one-stop shop for event organizers who want to create a unique and engaging virtual experience john comes from a mixed investing technology and entrepreneurial background with over six years of experience building and growing the company his product development experience and customer success mindset have not only helped to resourcefully scale excel events, but also to define the event technology category prior to founding excel events, he led product sales and operations at wyndham labs welcome to integrate and ignite john
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: I tell you, I'm really excited to talk about this. You know, Ultimately, we're going to dive into five tips for using virtual events to develop your brand, grow your business, and deepen relationships. I think so many people among COVID, obviously, we were thrust into this You know, very, very quickly, and we just had to get shit done, as they say, and just really adapt to what the market was telling us. And so a lot of it has been trial and error. You, through the course of your business, have been doing this for a while now, so I really appreciate the fact that you're going to share some incredible insight with us. Before we get there, however, tell us a little bit more about your background and really what is exciting you today about the virtual event arena.
0: Yeah, so I can start by sharing how we actually came to building the company, and that was actually about seven years ago. Unfortunately, uh, my cousin was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 17, and I wanted to do something for her. I thought about running a marathon, but realized I could raise quite a bit more money hosting a fundraiser. So did that and going into that first event, realized that there just, there weren't any affordable options out there to facilitate the auction and the raffle digitally. So worked with a friend, built one out, and we just got great feedback and decided to run with it. So did that for a little bit. And as that continued to expand, then we started to focus more on the ticketing space with for-profit businesses, conferences, concerts, festivals, trade shows, and the like. And that was all going really well. And then February and March of 2020 came. Mm -hmm. And it became evident that there needed to be a solution to facilitate these events online. We had already been thinking about some of the ways to facilitate this for hybrid events in the future. And we went all in on it and ended up being a great choice.
1: It sure did. And you mentioned hybrid. And here we are, you know, the beginning of 2021. And we know that live events are going to come back at some point. But we also know that we've proven that virtual events can be incredibly successful. What gets lost is the human touch. I mean, that's one of the primary differences. Where do you see this hybrid mix moving?
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be a couple of years before everybody ultimately feels comfortable being in an in-person event again. Uh, Quite a few people are ready to go back today even But the way that hybrid is going to start to unfold is that opportunity for those people who are operating remotely for one reason or another to interact with those that are there in person. If you think about the way that the world has transformed over the past eight or nine months here, we've realized that we're capable of working remotely. We don't always need to come together. There's also a growing emphasis on sustainability, reducing unnecessary business travel, events themselves. They're frankly quite wasteful. I mean, there's a lot of materials that go into them. There's a lot of costs that go into them. And on top of all of that, from a marketer's perspective, it can often be hard to prove our value up market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spoken with a lot of event marketing professionals who have said that historically, they've been looked at as a cost center within an organization. And there just wasn't really enough data to justify what they were doing. And today, right. with the pivot to virtual, there's access to so much more information. And the ROI from these virtual events is becoming one of the greatest channels in the company.
1: Yeah, it really is. You mentioned, you know, on-floor events. And we believe at Avocet that most on-floor events, unless you're an Avocet client, just are not managed correctly. One of the elements that a virtual event has provided, the psychology behind how you sell on the trade show floor is automatically implementing a lot of the tips that we provide our clients regarding how you should sell the show floor. One of them being the use of collateral. You don't mm-hmm. hand out these brochures. You mention it, Right. You don't hand out brochures on the show floor because ultimately they get put into a bag and they get put into a corner when you get back from the office and they don't get looked at. Virtual events has forced us to sell so uniquely and mitigate the use of collateral because ultimately sending it out in a printed form is absolutely crazy and and cost prohibitive right now. So I think that just one of many, many tips we have surrounding selling on the show floor it is something that automatically that you don't do.
0: Absolutely. And when you do have collateral, digital in this case, as an exhibitor on a virtual event, you have the opportunity to know what documents or videos a potential buyer is looking at. So you can have right. an educated conversation with them, as opposed to somebody who might walk by your booth and grab something. And that's the extent of what you know about that yeah. person for their interests.
1: Yeah, exactly. I love it. Tee up for us, if you would, how you ultimately came up with the five tips that you're going to share with us today.
0: Yeah, so a lot of it's been what we've experienced and what we've learned from event organizers over the past couple of months here. And we've seen thousands of events, they're continuing to become more and more successful as event organizers are learning as well. These five tips are are really what we think about when it comes to orchestrating an event. And at the end of the day, Before you think about a platform or anything else, you need to think about what are the goals of the event that you're building, and this flows into that.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. One of the, and we've established this, one of the issues with a virtual event is engagement because people usually have the in-person events. Um, They can shake a hand. They can smile. You can see so much more interpersonally about an individual as they walk down the aisle or the show floor itself within your booth. So that sense of community has been lost. Virtual events are an opportunity to do that but at a higher frequency as well. So tip number one is using virtual events to engage customers.
0: Absolutely. If you look at some of the companies that have recently IPO'd and you read some of the press releases, so much of the success that those companies have seen is a result of the community that they've developed. And having that engaging community that wants to see your business grow, they want to interact with other members of that community is such a driving force in the way that products get adopted and the way that companies succeed. As it pertains to building community, there's a number of different formats. Some of them are more persistent forums and user groups and other things along those lines, but events at the core are such a central part of that because it's a way to bring people together at a point in time where they can all interact with one another and learn from one another. When it comes to thinking about the opportunity through virtual events, now that community is global. People in other countries who might not have been able to attend that event You're now interacting with them across the world. We can also take those events that we used to spend months, if not years, planning. They were incredibly expensive. And we can take an event and instead of doing it once a year now, we can do it once a month or even more frequently and bring people back together. When it comes to building a community and bringing people together, frequency is important.
1: It really is. And one thing that we talk a lot about is BYOA as well, bring your own audience. You can advertise to build an audience, but it's costly. To have a sales team very, very engaged as they would typically on the show floor, knowing who they want to talk to in advance, one of the precepts you of know, a strong sales approach is no different here. What are some tips or recommendations that you have on ultimately how to engage people to keep them interested?
0: Yeah. So within the vent itself, there's a number of different things you can do. One of which we've seen work quite well, and especially so in the real estate community, is using a social wall. And if you think about an audience that is more interested in using social media as a mechanism for marketing themselves, this is a great opportunity for them to put content out there that is interacting with your brand, with each other, in building the general audience. I would say the same is true for any sort of multi-level marketing campaigns, but it's also something that we're seeing quite often in the tech space.
1: Explain to us how ultimately a social wall works.
0: Yeah. So you would create a a hashtag or some other tag for an event and encourage your audience to post content using that hashtag. That would then flow back into the virtual event platform so that people can see what's being posted. Same is true of an in-person event, and you can have screens up throughout the venue showing that. The other thing that you can do is you can run different campaigns and gamify that activity. So there may be a campaign where you're engaging one of your sponsors as well. Maybe your sponsor is uh, they purchase an iPad and the person who gets the most likes from their social media post using the hashtag wins the iPad, something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's fun. And again, you know, the tip number one being engaging, that's what it's all about. You know, the memorability along with that goes a long way. Using data to create better content is tip number two, and data is king. And -hmm. most people, I don't believe, know how much data they have at their fingertips right now, even if it's just through the social channels that they might be using, let alone, you know, some of the CRM marketing automation tools that they have available to them. Talk to us more about the importance of data to develop a good event.
0: Yeah, this is an area that's been growing quite a bit again over the past few months. If we go back to what I was saying earlier about the way that in-person events have historically had a lack of access to data, that's been completely resolved and then some with the world of virtual. Now we almost have too much data. It allows us to really get to understand our audience so much deeper, their interaction throughout the platform, which content they're most interested in. It helps us to develop an event which is more engaged in the future. If we're at an in-person event in a big room with heavy doors and the speakers, incredibly dry and boring, I still am not going to get up after four minutes and walk out of the room.
1: You nobody yeah. wants to
0: be looked at, you know, when the door slams behind you. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the virtual world, I can click out. And that helps you as the organizers to really know which speakers are winning the audience. Or maybe it's the case where five minutes into this presentation, somebody's in that presentation sending the link to their colleagues who are are jumping in as well. And you start to see that engagement spike throughout the presentation because it's so good as well. And that helps you understand what type of content to promote going forward. It could be certain tracks within your event are getting way more engagement as well. And then, you know, it all comes back to to helping to sell and promote the event, to build better content, to build follow-up content, to use again on social, but other mechanisms as as well. The other side of it is if you're at an event that's, you know, maybe it's an in-person event with five, 10,000 people, that's awesome that you have all this exposure to this demographic of people that are generally like-minded, but you're not walking around knowing who's a good person to chat with, what their interests are, where they align, where they have something they can provide you, a skill set. With the virtual world, you can make that much more open and communicative and provide those opportunities to bring those people together. And I think the way that this is being done virtually is going to start to transfer to the hybrid environment in the near future as well.
1: Yeah. And I think Being able to establish KPIs more quickly is a real gift of a virtual event. We talk about this a lot with our digital campaigns, testing and scaling, testing and scaling. Being able to implement that sort of a mindset with the virtual event is something that really does happen very, very quickly versus on-floor data metrics. They're completely different, and you can pivot. You can pivot day to day. You can pivot leading up to it with polls, asking people what they want to hear from you about. I mean, there are all sorts of ways to really make sure that you're pushing out the correct content at the correct time to the correct audience.
0: Yeah. The iterative aspect of it is huge. And we've all, you know, the feeling of, you know, 2 a.m. night before the second day where you're trying to make something better, whatever it might be. In the virtual world, again, it's easier to do, but it's also the fact that, you're not just looking at, hey, we did this event this year. What are we going to do better next year? It's what are we going to do better next month? Right. And with the click of the button, I take the experience I've created today. I duplicate that forward. And now I iterate on that. And you can make those sort of adjustments and tuning things to make everything better event after event and, and learn from that.
1: What are you seeing? Obviously, audience segmentation allows you to create more events. I mean, you can segment special events based on audience, instead of having a very, very broad audience at a show at any given time. So that's one benefit of really creating better content based on what the audience might be looking at. But what are some other thoughts that you have surrounding the number of events that a brand might push out on an annualized year? You know, do we risk overkill? I I know we risk overkill, but what are you seeing regarding that?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I think about overkill, I think about the dozens of different streaming platforms on the market today, and all. <laughs>
1: the- Too shay, would- fair enough.
0: Ten years ago, anybody would call that that overkill, but yeah, it's available and it's consumed as a result of creating more content. We find out which content is better, and we work yeah. on it to make better content. And at the end of the day, the audience is the one who wins. Yeah, that's how it should be. Just you know, to expand on that a little bit further. The other aspect of as we think about the way that webinars have developed over the past 15 years as another mechanism for engaging your audience, but they're really one directional in nature. Even if it's taking something that's as light as a 45-minute webinar and replacing that with an event and back up a step and to define an event, that is more than just pushing content out there. It is bringing people together in a way where they can interact with each other or your partners and anyone else along those lines. You can replace a general webinar series with a two- or three-hour block that does have the networking opportunities before and after it, the opportunity for people to book meetings with people on your team and just block off that little bit of time on their day once a month where they have that opportunity to really have a deeper interaction with your company.
1: Yeah, that's great. So we've talked a lot about already engaging customers and making sure that we've got good content to keep them engaged. Let's talk a little bit about the partners rather and sponsors behind an event. How are you interacting with them virtually these days?
0: Yeah. So this is an area that we really buckled down on from the beginning. If you looked at some of the content that was coming out in March and April talking about how sponsors and exhibitors aren't going to get any benefit out of virtual events, we went out there with the the mindset of dispelling that rumor. In doing so, we built an environment, an opportunity where those exhibitors can have deeper interactions with their audience base Now, that's not just building a microsite, setting it and forgetting it, adding some videos, documents, whatever. It's about having human interaction and bringing people, your sales team, your marketing team into that virtual environment where they can be face-to-face having a conversation and looking at somebody else, not through the lens of an avatar, but through the lens of a camera. In doing so, you're going into those conversations more informed, more educated, because you know what the interests are of the attendee who's coming by as a potential buyer to your booth or just somebody who's looking to learn. So I think it starts with being human as a seller or a marketer within that experience. The other aspect of it is that in doing all of that and making that experience that much better for those exhibitors, that information is then getting kicked back to the event organizer. And ultimately, the sponsors and exhibitors are the ones who are paying for most of these events. Majority of the events, 90% of the events that we see, are free for the attendees to attend. And that's because these sponsors and exhibitors are covering the cost of hosting that event. And that drives more engagement, more attendees into the event, and thus a better opportunity for the sponsors who are participating in it.
1: You know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the creativity that an exhibitor can deploy during an event. And thought leadership is key. We've had a lot of business-to-business events this year. And Most of our clients are in tier three positions. They're challenger brands that are really, you know, nipping at the heels of those large brands. And with those large brands come large sponsorships. I think virtual events have provided our clients in particular, more opportunity to really grow their thought leadership through panels and, you know, expertise and Mm -hmm. to really elevate the brand among that sea of sameness and nip at the heels of those enormously large brands who have deep pockets in a bigger, more compelling and quite frankly more authentic way.
0: Absolutely. And especially when they follow up maybe speaking on that panel with making themselves available as a resource where attendees of the event can interact and ask their questions one-on-one and for those challenger brands so much of it comes down to building that human element. Yeah. that personal relationship.
1: And and I'm not just talking trade show organized panels. Mm -hmm. I'm talking having your own panels and bringing thought leadership to the table so that you're totally in control of the topic. So it really does go both ways. There's no doubt about it.
0: And that's actually something that we're doing. I mean, obviously, we're a virtual event platform, but we have our own event series where we're bringing experts in the event space to come and we're hosting the panel and we're inviting our audience and theirs to come participate.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think it's great. It's worked fabulously for our clients. And again, something that we're going to take out of the virtual world into the trade show floor as well as we begin to expand, you know, back into a hybrid model of virtual and and live. I think it will really go a long ways to maintaining that thought leadership that we've really been building. Tip number four is deepening community through the virtual networking lounges and some of the meetups. You know, let's face facts, some of this can be super uncomfortable. And I think as covid and work from home has progressed and and not really getting too much better at this stage the idea of a meetup or you know a virtual room has you know people have begun to feel a little bit more comfortable with it but you know out of the shoot it was more like you know speed dating (laughs) for a lot of married people so what have you done to make the audience feel comfortable with this let alone a brand feel that it can be a compelling way to sell
0: i think there's actually a misconception there and The reason for that is the same in that you could have a great product and you've got three people who complain and all of a sudden you feel like you've got the worst thing in the world. It's just because those three people are more vocal. And when you think about events, you think about an office, there's those couple of people who are always gone because they're always at an event, right? Those are the people who love going and being in person. There's a whole bunch of people who are maybe a little bit more introverted. They still want to build relationships and community, but they're not as comfortable being in person. They don't know how to work a room. They don't know how to start a conversation or make that introduction. With the virtual world, that introduction can be made for you. And it takes some of that awkward element out of the picture that makes quite a bit more people than we think actually have an opportunity to interact where they otherwise wouldn't in the first place. I think there is a different lens that needs to be thought about when, when looking at that. And it also provides, you know in addition to just making those introductions, it also provides a different medium for people to interact. Some people want to have a live interaction and conversation, but frankly, they just feel more comfortable doing it over chat or text. And maybe they don't want to be on video. But the opportunity is there for those who want to be on video or those who don't.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And it's a really compelling point. To you know the difference between inside and outside sales, right? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people that just want to be inside the organization because they don't want to be out in the field, and they do a very very good job over the mm-hmm. phone or chat or in person. This really just opens up the floodgates a little bit in a different way in order to make that happen. So we talked about this, you know, tip five at the onset of the show too, which is you know how do we think about hybrid events in the future? But what we really didn't establish is. What is the mix going to look like? Like, I don't necessarily believe that you will have a virtual only event and an in person only event. I think that there will probably be a mix of a single event between those two components. You know, where's the industry moving there?
0: Yeah. So, what we're seeing and hearing is that, particularly in the professional space, the hybrid format of events is going to be what we see going forward. The same way that you might have a TV show that's filmed with a live audience, but Obviously, it's filmed and made available to those watching at home. The more entertainment in nature style events, festivals and whatnot, yeah, they might get live streamed, but that's a different experience and it's a different value prop. The way that that I think about this is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like having a smoothie after you work out, right? You might have that protein smoothie after you work out. You might have a couple of power bars throughout the day, but you're still having dinner and your dinner is kind of like the in-person experience. That's still going to happen in the future. A lot of events that happened in person are going to be replaced with virtual, but I think probably 75% plus of them are going to return as hybrid, but you still need to supplement that with another form to deepen relationships and interact more frequently in a way that we just haven't had access to historically. There are so many people who I've met at an event and never had any follow-up with or interaction with. Even those people could have been great for my career or my professional network, and this is a way that we can fix that problem.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. As people regain their market positions and as those challenger brands continue to nip at the heels and know that the trade shows that are sponsored by the associations, the big industry events, begin to get back into person, um, maintaining that pre and, quite frankly, post-show sales process through virtual events I think it's going to be a really, really strong foothold for brands to assimilate to and really take a strong market position on.
0: It's creating deeper touch points at a higher frequency. Yeah.
1: Yeah. More I think so that
0: than posting ads on, on social media.
1: Yeah. I think it's great. Okay. You know, we're at the very beginning of 2021 here. Uh, what are some of the trends that you see taking hold in the marketplace over the next 12 months?
0: Yeah. So I, I think I've alluded to this to some extent already, but the Probably the largest trend that we've seen is that there's this opportunity for increasing frequency and deepening community. I think we're gonna see that continue to grow. There's gonna be a lot of innovation on the technology side, which I'm super excited about. The platform side of things, there's been a lot of new players and it's become more competitive. And I'm super excited about that because it means that everybody has to work harder. And again, at the end of the day, that means that the event organizers, the exhibitors and the attendees are the ones who win and it creates a better experience for them across the board. I think also on the hybrid side of things, it hasn't really been looked at as a true mechanism historically because the technology side of things just wasn't there and people weren't comfortable with it. And now technology has basically had a 10-year revolution in six months.
1: (laughs) I tell you, when we're forced to, we can get a lot of things done, can't we?
0: Yeah, we can. And we don't have to spend a day on either side traveling.
1: Yeah, very compelling. You said it yourself, John Kazarian, having an engaging community is the driving force to success. Thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast.
0: Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.